Everything is good, nothing is garbage, and things are priced accordingly. Hello? Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. <clears throat> How's it going? Oh, I'm gonna have to do a little. I'm gonna have to do a little hot plug here. <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here we go. I'm gonna hot plug. Here we go. Not supposed to do that. Yeah. That'll be fine. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Hot plug. Did I hot? Did I hot plug it? I did. I yeah. got it. You sound yeah. good. That's. It didn't used to. It didn't used to work. You know, it used to hurt your computer to do that. Oh yeah, it depends on what you're what you're what you're plugging in. And one imagines how hot it is. Right, 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 right. Well, that was the thing that was always confusing about it. Some of the things were not hot at all, but the, but still, you hot plug it, and then you lose all your memory. I've known people uh, who who like to to dare the fates and sure. to hot plug things that oughtn't oughtn't sure. be hot plugged or hot unplugged, unhot plugged. You ever lose any data? You ever know anybody that lost any? Oh, data? Oh, I've lost data. You have. Oh, yeah. I mean, back in the day, oh. it was a real big deal. Oh, but boy. like today, people like, oh, I'll just pull out this USB thumb drive because it's an SSD and who cares? But uh -huh. I, don't know. I say that all the time. It's going to work until it doesn't work. That's what I say. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? I still have that hard drive that I couldn't get to work. And some nice person wrote me and said, hey, I, I work on those. I'll fix it for you. Send it to me. I'm in Scotland. Hmm. And I was like, I just don't know about sending this broken hard drive to Scotland and back. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's probably at least one concerning thing on there that you wouldn't want a Scott to see. Uh, don't give your info <laughs> to a Scott. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't. Uh, hmm. are, uh, wait, no, mom, are, you, are you thinking about hmm. going off on, uh, on Scotland? Or, or data? No, no, no. Is it data hot plugging? No, I had a nice conversation with a, with a Scott's person not very long ago uh toward the toward the beginning of the year and uh and it just uh, you know i already had a high opinion of scotland i'm a fan but uh, i'm a big fan but this guy this conversation long conversation i had oh it just put me right over the top i from that from now on I feel like scotland can do no wrong is that right book. yeah yeah uh, you know there are there are reticent people there are taciturn people they seem to There's clean up pretty nice when they talk to us mostly I think it's with each other um, that they're the most coarse. They're seemingly oh, coarse see, by see. American standards. I see, I see. I don't know. Just a thought. You know, they're just, I mean, they're a, they're a, they're a humble people. They're a, mm. they're, they have a lot of, I don't know, grace. I don't know if you'd say it. I don't know if you'd call them a graceful people. I don't but know see, if I would either, John. I, I think yeah. um, they're, they're, they can be rustic and hardy, <laughs> gregarious. Uh, I think they can be, I think they can be uh, kind of no-nonsense Right. There's a stoicism in the Scottish character, wouldn't you say? I, sto I guess stoical people. I, there's a band I like a lot from Glasgow that I've been listening Wait to. Wait a minute. <laughs> you like a band from Glasgow? Believe it I or not. Not it. as much as Canada, <laughs> but it's up there. Uh, mm -hmm. Glasgow, what do you got? You got uh, Roddy Frame. Is that his name? Rowdy Roddy Frame? The guy yeah, from uh, Aztec Camera? You, you, well, sure. you got the Teenage Fan Club and BMX Bandits. That's that's what I thought. No, I, you thought were yeah, I know, I know. I'm I'm very on <laughs> brand for me. Uh, but no, those uh, band churches, mm. which uh, they play uh, synthesizers and sing, and they're one of my favorite bands. And so they're, they're the they're the V for you, right? They, they got a V for you. V for they got a V for you, and they got a funky a funky E. But you know, uh -huh. it's church of churches, and uh, they're really good. And so I watch concerts of them a lot, and I listen to interviews with them. 
Oh, and, bless your heart. Yes. And they say, you know, if you're from Glasgow, there's always a little bit of that in you wherever you go. I guess they call it glassing. That's when you throw a glass at someone's head, right? Oh, oh, I didn't know that was real. Oh, I don't know. It might be a soccer hooligan thing. Which, yeah, maybe. you know, could be a hysteria. They're a very good band, John. They, uh, they're, they're, their shows are a lot of fun. Um, yeah, well, you know, as, as I'm fond of saying, yeah. um, you know, the, if it, uh, well, I guess I can't say it anymore. Hmm. Ah, it's just, it's just song lyrics on song lyrics. It's song lyrics all the way down. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you got <clears> the, you got the, uh, the, the pastels or, or the pastels. As as uh, as my lady would say, I listened to a lot of shoegaze. I returned yeah, I to the uh, glory days of shoegaze this weekend, and I discovered some new things. I'd never heard the band Swirlies, and now I've heard them, and mm. I like them very much. I have are you familiar with the Boston band called? Uh, I don't know if they're Swirlies or the Swirlies. I tend to err in the direction of leaving off the definite article, but they're very. I think you should check. You should check them out. I did you know that Kelly Deal. Speaking of Boston. Yep. I was listening to a lot <coughs> of Kelly, Pixies recently, too. Mm-hmm. Kelly Deal. Oh, uh, Kelly, Kelly Deal. Sister, twi- twin sister of Kim yep, Deal. Yep, 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 yep. Kelly Deal uh, uh, knits scarves. I think I heard that. I think yeah. I heard that and, it's the thing that she did on tour, and, and now is that like an Etsy thing for her? Yeah, and uh, and I've, I've written her a few times uh, about um, about making a scarf for me. Oh. Uh, but they're not they're not knitted or are they? Huh. They're uh, there's some kind of repurposing happening. It's a it's a craft oh, thing that she's doing. She's, there's got, a she's craft, got an angle. There's a craft angle. Uh huh. And um, <clears throat> and I'm I'm curious about it. And I there's a part of me that you know I love a scarf. And I was having a conversation the other day with somebody that said they hate a scarf. They won't wear scarves. They feel like if it's cold, you wear a big jacket. Hmm. If it's not cold you wear a, a lighter jacket when are you ever going to want this in-between state which would be a jacket too light for the weather plus a scarf which is too much and i was mm, as they were they're missing they're missing the point i feel like they're missing it right yeah. my eyes were just rolling back in my head like i don't even understand what you're saying a scarf i mean i would wear a scarf and swim trunks oh a yeah scarf yeah like you, there's so much you can do with the scarf oh so, absolutely it's almost like a towel I mean, or like me, like me with this, I was wearing those Carhartt uh, caps. And even when it's warm out, mm-hmm. I used to wear it because I was cold. And then I wore it because I, ne- I needed a haircut. And now I just wear mm-hmm. it kind of out of habit. It's been hard with the mask thing. Thing with a scarf, for anybody who says a, thinks a scarf is some kind of, I don't know. I don't know what, but I, is that one of those things like an umbrella, John? Is that like a Seattle umbrella situation, do you think, with this person? Oh, I mean, I well, what I, I mean, I did say, if you lived in, in our, uh, in our, temperate climb here in in the northwest you know sure if you live in arizona i guess you know if you don't but even in the mountains of arizona you're gonna want you get one that wicks i mean maybe maybe no one in hawaii has ever worn a scarf Hmm. Uh, that seems a little racist well but i just feel like where even if you were up in the cold part of hawaii it's not gonna be cold for long not long enough to people who are used to a warm climate are sometimes the ones who get cold as fast so if you went to a cinema see you go inside and maybe it's a little over air conditioned. You want a scarf. My advice for anybody out there, if you think you're reticent about scarves, that's okay. I just want to say scarves have come a long way. Scarves. It's like dwarfs. Is it dwarfs? It's like dwarfs. It's dwar- scarves. Yeah. Scarves. They've come a long scarves. way. Scarves. It's the Scarvesdale diet. Uh, scarves have, but the thing. Jesus no, don't, don't think that. Don't think that. Was that was a pity. It was a pity ding. 
the uh, the thing about a scarf is that what you're talking about, I think, if you're talking about a Hawaiian scarf, <laughs> is maybe something uh-huh. that's not made to be a scarf, but you have you're purposing it as a scarf for the time that for a time that a scarf is required, right? Oh, like interesting. Can, so it could be something like a nightshirt. Yeah, you could wrap a shirt around your neck you and can, call you, it a scarf for I mean, some I period think really of time. Every piece of clothing is a serving suggestion. Well, see, there it is. Any piece of clothing is a scarf. Huh. If you need it badly enough. Well, because you could wear it like, a, as I say, like a gator. I don't mean like a crocodile. You could wear it kind of just like put a shirt, <laughs> you could put a t shirt over your head and just not put oh. your arms through it. Now you got a scarf. You got a Hawaiian scarf. That's right. But I'm talking about purpose built scarf. I hear you. And my, my, I, this Kelly Deal situation. Hmm. So I really want to. Sounds want like this is weighing like, on you. Well, it is a little bit okay. because I really want a scarf by Kelly Deal. And I'm, I, and I have to be quite honest. For, to those of our listeners who don't know, who Kelly Deal is she is the uh, she was the guitar player of the Breeders. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she makes scarves just fills me with joy. Um, but I haven't found one of her scarves, to be honest, that I like uh, aesthetically. Because hmm. I'm very particular about my scarves. If you gave me a basket of scarves, <laughs> and I keep most of my scarves in basket. Ooh, she's got a lot of options. She does. And if I had, if I had, I mean, if you gave me a, if you gave me a, a bale of scarves, oh, I very, very easily could go through there and find not very many scarves that I, that I, that I chose for myself. Right. I would, I would look at them and I would say, this is a beautiful scarf. This belongs to someone. This is, this scarf is, I, you know, go with God. Oh, you're saying like in a pinch, like a cute girl says, it's cold out. Let me lend you a scarf. And maybe it smells a little bit like her. Like you I have be, so many. Pick, you beg, pick, pickers, pick, you can't be choose, choosing, right? Sure, sure. And I have scarves that people have said, oh, I made you this, or I want you to have this. And I, you know, I never give them away, of course, because they're important. Sure. Uh, they were gifts. But, but when I'm choosing a scarf for myself, when I look there at the, at the, at the, the universe of scarves, like I have pretty, I have a, I, my, my list of requirements is not short. Oh, this is interesting. And so, if you're you're like, okay, you know, any port in a storm. So, like, you're stuck. If you're stuck in like uh, an Airbnb and they got a DVD player, and two, this is how I ended up watching the Sherlock Holmes movie with Robert Downey Jr. I would never in a million years have picked that out. But we were in this horrible, this horrible rental a couple years, a couple three years ago. It was, it was, it was very, very haunted. It had a lot of child ghost energy. And, but they did have – they had a DVD player and some DVDs, and we ended up watching Sherlock Holmes, and it was fine. Now, in a million years, I never would have picked that out. But here's the thing. If I go into a Blockbuster video, I have so many options. I might even get hung up on the options. It's like going to the library. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if somebody says to you, do you want this book or that book, you can eyeball that. But in this case, if mm-hmm. you want to be spoke scarf of your own choosing, a bale or a bastic – of them of mm-hmm. options, you're then you one gets picky. It's you know the the uh, paranoia of choice. I'm any <clears throat> I'm anybody. You know. Oh, yeah, anybody. no, you're very you're very rustic. And uh, and uh, if you, I'm any old port in a storm about a scarf. I'll wear a Hawaiian gator as a scarf, sure. But hmm. if I'm going to write Kelly Deal and say, hey, make me a scarf, or mm-hmm. hey, I want <laughs> being I, you're I, a scarf. I, Here's the <laughs> here's the problem with that. <laughs> Remember though. that? Remember that from the cartoon? Make me a sandwich. And he goes, "Bang your sandwich." Yeah, I love it. It's love still it. funny. You want to hunk of cheese? 
You know what it is? This is the problem. Yes. The problem is, the problem is mm. that I don't want to, I don't want to bother Kelly Deal to ask her to do something custom because I'm sure she's a busy person mm-hmm. and she's got some scarves for sale and she doesn't know me. She's not, she didn't, she wasn't put on this planet to make my personal scarf dream come true. Thank you. But I do want a special scarf and I want a special, I want, I want a special scarf. And so in my conversations with her, I've been very appreciative. I've been very like, I love your scarf. You've really contacted her about this. Oh, for sure. She's written me. We're, you know, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> do you know her from rock and roll? No, 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 no. This was, this is entirely about the scarf. <laughs> did you have an entree or did you just, you just slide into her DMs? I'm sorry, it's none of my business, but I'm just no, curious no, no, I, how you I, got uh, in touch with Kelly Deal. Is this the kind of thing I should be doing? There was no, <clears throat> there was no entree. I was, um, I was on her website, mm-hmm. and it had a contact button. Yep. Contact me. Yep. Yep. And so I wrote her uh, email at her contact, and I said, "Hi, I really love your scarves. Really love to get a scarf." And um, <clears throat> I think at the time, maybe all of her scarves were sold out. They're all sold out right now, according to her site. I didn't want to break your heart. <clears throat> Yeah, so so I wrote her and and she was great. She wrote me back. She was like, "Yeah, there's a lot going on right now, um, but I'm gonna get I'm gonna get back on the horse." Well, and when (laughs) 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 this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Headspace. You can learn more about Headspace right now by visiting headspace.com/supertrain. Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, and just be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, well, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation just perfect for you. If you need some help falling asleep, well, Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Now, me, I've used Headspace in the past, and I found it really useful. I I think one of the best things, that it helps you to establish a habit of meditation. No matter how new you are to a practice, uh, they'll walk you through what you need to know. You just sit down and you do it, right? And let's be honest, once you have Headspace on your device, there's no excuse not to make the time to use it. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads, which is a lot of downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash supertrain. That's headspace.com slash supertrain for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. You go to headspace.com slash supertrain today. Our thanks to Headspace for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. I wasn't going to say anything. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. <laughs> 
no. No, no, no. Oh, no. no. Okay. No, that I, I would not wish that on anyone. Nope. No, just but, not even once. You got to stay away from that she, stuff. It's no good. Not even on New Year's Eve. No, sir. <laughs> but she came back. She came back to me and she was like, hey, great to hear from you, you know. And then, oh, and so later, she was like, I've got some new scarfs, scarves and uh, check them out. See if there's any that you like. <clears throat> this was the problem. She had made a bunch of new scarves. Okay. And I went and I looked and I was like, oh. you know, the thing is, I, <clears throat> I like this about that one and I like that about this one. Uh-huh. And that and that and that. <gasps> you combined, sound like every client I've ever had. You're trying to make the, <laughs> you're doing, you're the Frankenstein client. The one who's like, oh yeah, because yeah, I just, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this is the thing that oh, happens okay. with clients is you Very talk right. to somebody. This is why you have to do one of the most important things in the business is to develop a sense of not showing people too many things. And to have the one that you want them to pick. It's like they say, a lawyer, you know, never presents a design he doesn't know the answer to. In this right. case, somebody, somebody comes in and then you, oh, can I get a column A and column B? Can you make the logo bigger? And then how about we do the fonts from this one and that from that one? Which would be like yeah. me coming to you and saying like, oh, can you make this part like ride and, and this part like swerve driver and that part like my bloody Valentine? Yeah, that, <clears throat> and in fact, that probably would make a song more interesting than anyone I ever wrote. Almost every, you, almost every, not yours, your songs are, are flawless, but the, um, the, almost every song would be improved by some of those things. And so this is, you're exactly right. And this is, this has inhibited me, you know, so writing back to, you know, and I'm also excited. I'm writing back and forth. Kelly deal about scarves. She, and I'm, you know, there's no way that she almost certainly when she gets an email to her scarf website is not, then like reverse Googling the person and going like, who's this who wants one of my scarves? Yeah. So I'm just some guy. I'm just somebody that's out there in the world wanting a scarf. And so I don't feel like I'm in any position to like give her any creative uh, feedback. Mm -hmm. She's got some scarves for sale. I want one. She wrote me when she had some more available. And then I... I did not choose one. And so now uh, I'm in a situation where I feel uh, like yeah. I got to I got to write her again. I got to say, "Hey, still into the scarf game just but you don't want to write and say like just waiting for one that's good, you know, waiting for then, one that comes. like setting aside the googling thing. I hope nobody does that. But but also just that is she going to recognize your name and know that you're your Johnny No reply from last time. Yeah, I hope not. Hope not. I had that Although, happen recently I, with a freelance knife sharpener, and I still feel kind of bad about it. What? what, what where you wrote the? You I contacted. Knife, I, I knife wanted. Sharp? I wanted my knives not honed. I wanted them professionally sharpened by a professional. There's a man in a van uh, yep. from from just south here, down Daly City, I believe. And he, yep. he has. A, he's a man in a van. He'll come and he sh- sharpens your knives. And I wrote a very. He's got a plan. He's a man with a plan. Panama Canal. And I wrote yeah. him. I wrote him a very, very. I know how to write emails, John. I wrote him a very, very good email. I said, hey, I could really use your help with some knives. We've got, you know, I've got these chef knives and I got these. And he has this one special service, his like special like white glove service is he'll take a folding knife and he'll do this super, super edge for it. And I have a couple folding knives because, you know, I'm a knife guy. And yeah. uh, and and I wanted him to, to do my knives. And I made it clear I was willing to, you know, spend a little bit on this. Sure, sure. He wrote me back from like a Hotmail account, which is fine. But, <laughs> yeah, you sure. know, red flag. And, and he, he, no, he pu- he pulled up in front of a uh, in front of a like Panera bread. Oh, to get on the Wi-Fi. He, lo- he logged on. He loves that account. soup. 
<laughs> and uh, and and he wrote me back. And first of all, he he did a thing. <coughs> this shouldn't bother me, but I, I my name is in my email. My name was down there as a signature, my full name, because I, I am a gentleman. And sure. and he he botched my name in a weird. And I'm not even put off that it was a feminine way, but it was. I was put off by the fact that he he's he tried to say Marilyn, but he even spelled that wrong. And I was oh. like, whoa! I don't know if I want this guy on my uh, my 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 CKART, like my fancy my fancy folding. I've got a tactical World War II based World War One based Ken Onion knife that you can take apart. It's a real nice Ken Onion knife, and you can yeah. take it apart. You can field strip it and clean it. And I've been wanting that oh, one. To get fixed, but up. this guy can't even tell the Merlin from the from a Maryland. I just thought that's not careful. I'm sorry, I'm carrying right. on, but I, I am upset no, about no. this. And he said, but then he he he, uh, he uh, what do they call it? he big time me a little bit. Oh jeez, like, I'm not coming up. I said maybe next time you're around, you know, da 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 da. I mean, get about. And I thought the man in a van will come. That's what is implied by the man in a van. He's it's very prominent on his website. I don't want to embarrass him. But then sure. like then he he got a little weird about it. And he's like, I only do, I only like come to your house for like you know 12 knives or something he didn't even ask if i wanted 12 knives he basically just big time me and, and yeah. acted like he he poor mouthed me a little bit reverse yeah. poor mouth and you know what and i didn't like his attitude and so i didn't yeah. write him back and i, I kind of Boom. feel bad because what would i say sure you know hey, i don't want to sound got touchy. Eight knives. sorry guy but sorry, like i had I'm a not... bunch like john over here look at this i got you know i got a, i got a i got a i got an imp- i'm gonna send you this knife i have an improbably okay. long bowie knife that I wanted, yeah. like it's it's like a fifteen inch knife. Uh, Are you going to get letters that you didn't say Bowie knife? Do you even care about that? He's he died at the Alamo, right? Yeah, Bowie. Oh, and you know what I got, John? You know what I got? Boo! Look at this hint. I can Show kill me. a bar with this. Oh, you got a K bar. Got a K bar USMC in this really nice smelling sheath, but like this one in particular is uh, is is a favorite of mine. Now this is a this is the Ken Onion knife. Yeah. You're you sending me some pictures of these? Oh, I sure will. You can feel. You can strip this. It's got three parts. You take it apart. If it gets gummy and gritty, you can take it apart. It's without tools. Without tools. It's by mm. Ken Onion. He's one of the greats. You don't even. You don't even need. No. A Ken Onion knife to strip the Ken Onion knife? No, no, no. Now no. I run into that with things I bought from the uh, the Seattle shipping company. Sometimes, like even if I buy something for opening packages, you need something different from opening packages to open it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like what's the yes. deal with airline food? Anyway, I, I that I and so I didn't write him back. And I feel kind of bad now. In this instance, you you're a thinker. You don't want to waste yeah. Kelly Deal's time. She's got a lot going on. Yeah, and so and she so does. you you want to real? Do, is it something where you feel like do you, you really want to know what you're asking for before yes. you bug her again? You don't want to blah 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 her. The problem is that I do this all the time about everything. I hate to be this client. Yeah, but every yeah. single thing I want. I mean, you know, you've been to restaurants with me. Like my sign of a good Mexican food restaurant is not any is not anything to do with like walking in, what's on the menu, how they talk to you, this, mm-hmm. that, or the other. Even whether or not the food is good. Did they put potatoes I, on your plate? No, I don't want that. But if I You'll say see, to you, the see, server, tell them I'll send it back. If you put potatoes on this plate, I'll send it back. You said that to no. people. I, you've heard me say that. Oh, yeah. I've been there. I, you did it in front of your millennial girlfriend. I thought I, I wasn't don't sure touch, if it was a power move. Don't touch. Don't touch my plate. Don't touch potatoes. my feet. If you touch potatoes, go wash your hands and then. Touch. You know, hands that have touched potatoes will not touch mine. But if I'm in a Mexican restaurant and I say to the server, "Can I get half chili Colorado, half chili verde?" If they hesitate at all, if they're like, 
or if they go, well, I'll add, you know, if they, even that, yeah, I'm like, this is no good. Interesting. The best Mexican restaurants are the ones where you say, can I get half chili Colorado, half chili verde? And the server, without even looking up, just nods and writes it down. Or they just or go, says, you can get anything sure. you want. You can get anything you want. Because you know what? There's only 11 ingredients in Mexican food if oh, you boy. take it all the way out. We're not going right? to, let's not be precious about this. You know, just, and, just split up my chili. And the thing is, if you're cooking chili verde over here and you're cooking chili Colorado over here, <laughs> it takes nothing to scoop one scoop on of both. If you're not doing that, mm-hmm. if you are, if you're pulling something out of a of of a cooler and putting it in a microwave, a white five gallon that's, bucket. That's not what we're talking about. One, one chili only. <laughs> Uno chili solamente. <laughs> but my, so I do this constantly, and and what I love in life, like a guy wrote talking about knives. A guy oh. wrote me a, a while back, and he said, "I make knives. I'm a, you know, I'm an artisanal." I'm an artisanal knife maker. Yep, yep, yep. I got a mustache. I got a leather. Oh, he's got uh, the whole apron. thing. Topicage. I don't even. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if he has a mustache, but I picture him with one. Of course he does. He's got a leather apron. He's got tongs. Um, he's probably he's probably quenching. Uh, he's doing all the stuff. Oh, you saying? Oh, I see what you're saying. He's quenching. He's uh, he's doing all those things like on that Netflix show, right? He's doing all he's the doing knife that. things. He's doing knife things. He's pounding on things. He's honing. Mm-hmm. He's honing. He's quenching. And then he's honing. And he's quenching. And uh, he's heating it up to it's red hot, and then he's then he's dumping it in the cold water, yep. and he's doing it he's doing it right. He's not doing it wrong. And he says, uh, "I want to make you a knife." Ooh. And you know, of course, I'm thrilled. Absolutely, uh, yeah, I would take a knife. Because the thing about somebody who wants to make you a knife is that, as you know, then you not only have a knife, but you have a knife that somebody made you. Oh man, come on, yes, it's just like. It's like somebody writing me and saying, I'd like to make you a car. Like, yeah, make me a car. Yeah. But then the next thing, of course, when somebody says, let me make you a car, I'm like, but what kind of car? And that's. (sighs) Yeah. Now it's, it's already changed. Look at that knife. Wow. Merlin, that's, that's, that's I also said the wrong thing. I always say it's Columbia River. CRKT is the name of that. That one at the bottom, the World War One inspired CRKT, CRKT knife. Look at that, look at that buoy knife. Oh, now you have the USMCK bar, so you can compare that buoy. You can see where I've I honed do. it a little on my own, but I, I really I worry about see. ruining a knife. No, that thing, yeah, that's, that is really, yeah, woo. That's upsetting, yeah. Oh, boy, you could, uh, well, that's the thing, if you ever, if you're. If I run into Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> if your Volkswagen Golf goes off the road somewhere outside of, <laughs> outside of fucking Escondido. I can't uh, get NPR out here. <laughs> anyway, so so my knife making friend did it exactly right. He said, "Here are uh, here are your options. I can do anything, but here are your, here are some options. Here are some options." That's what he said. Mm-hmm. And it was basically like pick one of these. And I realized at that moment that unlike scarves, I knew so little about knives in the. It, in the like in the full breadth of what you could know about knives, oh, I know so little. I see. It's like you think you're a fan, and then you meet the real fans, kind of, right. and you're like, "Ooh, right. I, I really don't know that much about this." That could be D and D, you know, kind of lingus, whatever it is. But there are things where other people know more. Know more, and he knew the, more. The real heads. He was, the real heads know he was, more. Yeah. He was very generous about it, and he also he just managed me very well, which is that he gave me a small number of options, and he encouraged me to pick. From you know, and it was a it was it was a wide variety. It was like I can make you a broadsword, I can make you a pocket knife, you know, Whoa. like 
And, but then, but you know, he was mostly like talking about kitchen knives, chef knives. Oh, I would take that. And I said, okay, well, I like ones, you know, I like cars that shift themselves mm-hmm. and I like knives that look like this and doop, doop, doop. And I said like a couple of things and he was like, great. And then I realized that the, that what I was doing now was saying, you know, uh, physician, make me a knife. And I had no, I was not going to say another thing because I was putting this in yes, the hands of the person it's like telling your plumber how to fix your pipes. That's not your job. No, no, no. Go, you know, go artist and, and art. And he, with, with very, with, with only that, and that's of course all really he wanted was just, was just that little bit of like, you know. I have made, and, and that's all I wanted. I made one Just, or two I feel, choices. I feel like you're describing a phenomenon though, John, where it's like if, and even there are things like this in life where something comes along. It could be food. It could be somebody says, hey, come to my restaurant and say, what do you want? I can make you anything you want. And you say, I think you can give one piece of data. Like mm. you could say, you know, obviously you say something like, I don't eat shrimp or don't put potatoes on my plate. But there's this Chinese restaurant, I forget the name of it. There's this amazing, famous Chinese restaurant in Chinatown where they're really nasty to you. They're so mean. It's really funny. They give you a dirty glass of water, whole nine. I love this place. <laughs> uh, name's escaping me right now. But you walk in and the old guy just stands there. He doesn't even talk to you. And, uh, you, and you, anybody who the real, the real heads know, you go in and you say, well, you know, what's good? And he goes, you eat seafood? And you go, yeah. He goes, and he just nods, walks away. That's it. Or yep. sometimes he'll say, can you eat spicy food? And you go, yes. And you yep. use whatever he brings you and it's the best. You know what I'm saying though? You don't go in yeah. there and go like, you know, you're, he's, it's not an interview. It's not a commission. It's not like, you know, like my friend John Syracuse had a character he plays in a video game drawn. Now that, the whole nature of that is specificity in this case. Somebody says, uh, I want to make you a knife. I want to make you a bladed weapon. Do you have any uh, choices? Now I would say, hey, you know what? If you can make a paring knife, I would love the world's greatest paring knife. I think that's one of the neglected knives. And if he says, no, I don't do little knives, I say, okay, just give me like a, you know, 10 inch chef knife that uh, you think would be great. That's the thing that you think would be great, right? It seems great. It feels like you're saying whatever you're good at and you think is right for me, do that and we'll both be happy. There's room for disappointment if you're too particular. Well, you're absolutely right. And so what I'm, what I try to, what I try to, the, the the knife edge that I try to 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 balance upon to hone, uh, I'm not honing the knife here though. Oh, I'm, da- I'm, d- I'm dancing on the knife. Man, you're good is, with words. You're so good with words. Is getting what I want, <laughs> whilst also allowing the 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 artist or craftsperson to do what they want, bringing bringing it in in a, uh, at a price point that we both want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and not doing the thing where I, where I let someone make me something that I'm never going to use. And I know it before we even start because they have specified their, um, they've specified their taste Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and my feeling about, like I went to a restaurant one time with the, with the, uh, on a date with the, with the, with the, a woman from a a younger woman Mm -hmm, who mm -hmm. was part of a uh you know the she'd grown up in the culture of the sort of cult of chefs oh. right like when we were when we were growing up like uh, there were cooks mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And if you were a chef, I think you had to live in New York or Paris, right? Oh, sh- I see what you're saying. It's, it's so that's right? a good, that's a pretty good distinction. It's like a chef, what's the implication? Education, leadership, expertise, yep. right? Like, Michelin star. Yeah, I mean, and I've I've had some short order breakfast breakfast uh, where it might as well have been a chef because they're so good at being yep. a cook. Yep. But chef, yep. I think, and also you wear the toque, which has the folds in it. Like I suppose, if you cooked in a hotel, if you worked in a, if you cooked for a at a fancy hotel, chef, sure, you know. But it's it's like the CEO problem, right? Like hmm. b- before I was before I was forty years old, I'd never. Not only had I never met a CEO, but I'd never met anyone who had you never, met a you know, CEO. It used to be a time once you didn't run into CEOs. If you no, ran into it, you would run into a small business owner, but you would rarely run into an entrepreneur, let alone a serial entrepreneur. I met a lot of presidents of companies and vice presidents certainly but if you were a ceo you had you lived in new york that's where ceos lived they lived in new york or london maybe i see you didn't have there was no there were no ceos in seattle there wasn't a single one Uh, safeco insurance or boeing they had presidents boeing had a president it's a a, this is a new phenomenon john everybody thinks they're a goddamn ceo Anyway, this younger woman, I'm on a date with her, mm-hmm. and she uh, she has uh, spent her uh, entire adult life living in a world where where uh, every where where there are chefs everywhere, and not only are there chefs everywhere, but the, you call them chef. Oh, like a, like say, a top chef, where you say that yeah. yes, chef, thank you, chef, that kind of thing. yeah, or 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 you it even has that part part of speech problem where where. Uh, where you'll say, well, chef said. Oh, like, I see where they're doing like, the English. They're dropping the article. Yeah. I need I need to ask chef. We have to take chef like, down to hospital near university. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Gotta and get so, back to Mill. <laughs> so we're in this restaurant and it's a and it's a fancy restaurant. You know, yes. but but it's Seattle fancy. It's got mm. you know, it's just it's got <laughs> peanut shells on the floor. It's just Plastic. that they're <laughs> it's just that they're selling the same freaking little clams that you can get. John, do they have charcuterie? Uh, uh, that kind they of might, but this is this is one of those Seattle restaurants where, you know, we have we have these um, we have these these oysters, these these wonderful oysters mm. here in the Northwest. I know you've tried the Northwest oysters. Oh, I love, that, we had oysters week before last, and it was <clears> the best. I love oysters. They're, they're very small and crisp. Like a kakamama, not kalamata. That's an olive. You're talking about you're talking about akamakanagana. Oh boy, that's 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 that's. Their word for scarf. <laughs> um, the 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 oysters that you'll find here, a lot of them are from British Columbia. A lot of them mm-hmm. are from Washington State. I feel like Prince Edward Island. You get like mussels and stuff from there. You get PEIs, right? Prince Edward Island is on the other side of the country. Oh, that's true. You're on the left. Yeah, we're over here. And those those oysters. Those those oysters on the East Coast. Well, I've talked about this before. I don't like those East Coast oysters. Interesting. And I, you know what? I'm I, I I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come right out. She, she grew up with chefs. So she grew up with chefs, and um and I'm sitting in this oyster bar, and the and the waiter comes over, and he's got on a hoodie. He's just like everybody else in Seattle, and maybe his hoodie costs five hundred dollars. I don't know, but it's just we're and it's just, there's peanut shells on the floor, but somehow <laughs> this restaurant's got five stars all around. All right, and you can get. You know, a Wallapa Bay oyster, I swear to you, in a gas station in half of the counties in western Washington. You drive into a, a gas station, the guy's like, fill her up, and you're like, yeah, uh, like, give like, me a like half. Philly, like, a, like a hoagie's in Pennsylvania, you just go to the <laughs> Wawa. 
Yeah, give me, give me, and also give me twelve uh, uh, oysters on the half shell. Mm-hmm. Some of that but cheap in this CBD place, oil. yeah. And the thing is, and they're a dollar a piece. Jeez, right? Louise. Because, but up here in this fancy restaurant, it's the same goddamn oyster. It's not like they, it's not like they yeah. tickled it under its chin and called it and said and said goo goo gaga to yeah. it. It's just a fucking oyster they pulled out of the bay. But at this place, they're five dollars a piece because mm. I don't know what the sh- because chef right because <laughs> chef waves his magic hands because chef. <laughs> it's not like chef is making a thing here. No. It's just an oyster. Yeah. Anyway, everybody's lined up to go to this restaurant. I'm sitting here with this young lady, and and the waiter comes over, and I we've talked about steak tartare before. You and I, I know. Yes. The waiter comes over, and I see steak tartare on the menu, and I said, uh. I see steak tartare on the menu, and the waiter goes, mm-hmm, and I said, let me ask, does, uh, do you prepare it with capers? And I don't even remember whether this was one of these fancy restaurants, whether a waiter actually had to go ask. Right. If that's the case, I should have gotten up and left. Is it one of those things, like, unintentionally we ask for, like, ketchup for your eggs, and that, that makes you look like a rube? Well, so this is, but this is the problem. This is not between me and the waiter, because I don't give a shit what a waiter thinks about me. Mm-hmm. This is between me and my date. And, uh, but eventually it comes back. He says, yes, the steak tartare has capers. And for, for my money, throughout my entire life, I have felt, from the, uh, not from my entire life, because, of course, like anybody, most of my life I felt steak tartare was probably pretty gross. Uh-huh. But once I had it and enjoyed it, and the first time I had it, it was in Hungary, and it was Hungarian-style steak tartare. Which, like everything in Hungary, and you know, and 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 I say this as a credit to Hungarians, mm-hmm. it had it had paprika on it, okay, because it because Hungarians they put paprika on everything. Oh, they, they put, like a paprikash. Mm-hmm. You know, they sprinkle it on their pillow before they go to bed. Is that right? Hmm. Well, it keeps the it keeps the dead babies out or whatever okay. it is. I don't. Okay, remember. but some it's some Hungarian thing. Mm-hmm. It has to do with the it has to do with the Turks. Mm. But in this restaurant. Oh, so, but in America, so you'll get, at some point along the way, the steak tartare culture started putting capers in their steak tartare. Oh, and it became one of those things where they don't even ask, because you always put that on, in the culture. It's not, so, so reading the menu, mm-hmm. it doesn't say capers. Hmm. It says steak tartare, prepared by chef. Or <laughs> and my feeling is that if you put capers, if you're doing steak tartare, which should be a thing where... You, the whole point of it is that you're eating raw meat, and you should be it. The meat should be so good that you can eat it raw, Merlin. You know what I'm saying? It's, this is the thing these these kids today don't know about because we're all scared of meat, which is understandable. A lot of it, boy, you know, for some places. But but what people may not get about steak tartare, I feel like, is that it's not hamburger in the no. sense of like we don't know how many cows. The cows are out there in the field, uh, you know, abiding. And then like 60 different cows are what goes into your quarter pounder. Nuh-uh. So they start with some very high end, very fresh, very like grade, high grade meat. So you, you mix in usually some diced onions, some, uh, if, right. if you're, if you're hungry, they put in paprika, that kind of thing. And yep. it's, it's a treat. It's very unusual. I wouldn't eat it every day, but, but it's, don't right. just think of it as like you bought a pound of hamburger and, and put it on a plate. That's not how it works. Right. And, and, you know, and I think, you know, steak tartare, it could also be, it's a, it's like beef or horse. Horse. Like it's not, yeah, it's, you're not eating it because, um, 
because you don't you're not trying to gobble it down mm-hmm. right you're not trying to get it get it in you yeah and i know that there are i know there are people out there that are like oh capers are a part of the and it's like no mm-hmm. not necessarily C- it capers is that a part is a, of your they're not part of the yeah. right that's a choice don't right assume. that's a choice what if, like a paprika like you put paprika in hungry i imagine they probably put paprika on like a boiled egg we put we do that here when you make a deviled egg there are probably people that don't like that but this is this this is the kind of place where chef gonna make the way chef make right <sighs> Well, this is so. This is it, right? And steak tartare. Yeah. It should also have a raw egg on it. Oh, you know, right, of course, all, yeah. You know, it's like it's get this whole thing. So I make what I guess is an is a category error, a classic. You know, like here I am, just some middle aged buffoon who walked in off of the prairie. Oh, John, right in front his, of your date with his floppy hat. Well, no, it's my date that's doing it because I say. Can I get the steak tartare without capers? Mm-hmm. Hmm. And the waiter... Did that, did, was she worried about that because of her background being around chef? This is it, right? The waiter says, I'll go check because he's, he's disempowered. Oh, I see. And she says to me, not to him, she says, you know, I wouldn't... Or no, I, I turned to her, I guess, and said, would you eat some if I, if I get this? And she says, I wouldn't uh, eat a thing that, was prepared, that, that wasn't how the chef, or wasn't how chef intended it. Oh, dear. To be. And it was a, you know, it was a rebuke. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I certainly will take a uh, a certain amount, maybe even a fair amount of rebuke from my dates. There are uh, there are a hundred things. I think that's priced that you, in. You know, right? That's but it's also but, part of, can be can be part of the fun of flirting. You nag you each the, other a little bit. But this was it, it cool. Uh, you could feel the table cooling off. Well, I cooled right off. Okay, all right, understandable. And it was, but it, but I understood it to be a culture clash because I don't. I am not someone who goes into a restaurant. Um, to serve the cook. Oh, I agree. Right, like uh-huh. I didn't. I didn't come here to pay my money to let you take me on a journey. And I think that that. And, and but there are times, of course, there are times yeah. when you walk into a place. Well, you and go to like, chef's table, omakase kind of thing. If you go somewhere where that's, I, I think you're in an interesting gray area, and you'll notice this sometimes. First of all, number one, when they list the prices, does it have a decimal point? If it just says hmm. seven, okay. right, which is for their then, their Cretaceous salt, then you're going salt. on a journey. Oh, yeah. I think if you see seven on the Cretaceous salt, that's a real good signal that this place thinks a lot of themselves. But then also I they see. don't often like most places you go. Again, I got an Irish breakfast yesterday, and it tells you everything that's on there. Right now, a lot of these restaurants with chef, chef is going to say this is what the item's called, and I'm going to yeah. give you some some general pointers. But unless you have a legitimate, like a doctor's note for your medical condition, it is a lot of places that it's not expected that you will, you could ask questions, but you're not going to, you're not going to, this is like, this is how we make it, dude. This is how chef yeah. makes it. This is how chef makes it. Right. And, and uh, some of the best meals I've told you, I think about the time, um, it was now several years ago, but I was, I was I walked into a restaurant. My friend Kurt Timmermeister was there. Mm-hmm. I went back into the kitchen because I knew the 
I knew chef <laughs> and I knew other chef and I knew, you know, and I was like, Hey everybody, how are you? And, and, and Timmermeister walks in and Kurt is like a, uh, among Northwest chefs, like he's a kind of legendary figure. He was one of the first sort of table to table. Oh yeah. That movement, people. the movement, the table to table yeah. movement. Yeah. He wrote it. He wrote the. He wrote the book. He wrote the book about the book about table to table. Damn. He walks in and they're like, oh, "It's Kurt." And so Kurt and I knew each other from all the way back when he was running Cafe Setiem and and uh, you know and he was just bringing me coffee, right? Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's this guy who's got a paper crown. He's Mr. On. Guy. And I'm back there shaking hands with <laughs> Chef and Chef because the because the kitchen was he wearing his place. paper crown. Like the kind no, 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 of that gives his popper. It's in his wallet. He pulls it out. <laughs> Where, where the kitchen is the size of a walk-in closet, right? But we walk in and they're like, oh, he's here. Mm-hmm. And so so they sit us together down. And, and, and this is one of these crazy things that I didn't realize. I did. I was not, I'm not, I was not that in at the time yeah. to understand that this kitchen was actually set up in such a way that two stools materialized. And I didn't know there was room in this kitchen for two stools. Mm-hmm. Like where were they keeping them? Hmm. But they they showed up, and the two stools were were placed in such a way that all of a sudden, what had formerly been the uh, the chopping station or something had become a little a little bar. So a little, this wasn't the kind. When I say chef's table, there's those places where, like, because people know about this phenomenon of like, oh, you know, my my. My in-laws are in town, so we're going to serve them a special meal in the kitchen. But there became places where you can, like, buy that, where you can, like, order, like, call ahead and, you know what I mean, get a special French Laundry-style reservation to go get to sit in the kitchen where there's actually a, a table, right? And this is they're, – they're, they're making space in a – what I would call, John, an active working area. Yes, they they scoot they scooted a, a fifty pound bag of rice over to the side or whatever, Dang. And, and and put these two you know and and the, the, these stools were just overturned apple carts or whatever. But I but Kurt was there to say hello, and I have to, I cannot know, because <clears throat> this was at a time when the number of restaurants in Seattle was still a knowable number. It was a speakable number. Mm-hmm. It was a number. You, there were restaurants in Seattle that you knew well there were ones you had been to a couple of times there were ones you had only been to once and there were ones you'd never been to and that was there were only those but right? also there maybe were... one of those things i think about uh the the most storied cincinnati restaurant in my youth youth was called masonette which is this french restaurant my parents had been to like twice ever and they had baked alaska and it was famous for being like uh-huh. the most expensive uh-huh. restaurant is it one of those things where the the famous expensive restaurant in seattle was kind of the same for 20 years and then oh it was, it was the same for 70 years i mean really? canless what is it was the restaurant canless okay and canless was the restaurant that was the the best restaurant in seattle when my parents were courting mm-hmm. and it and it and it was the best restaurant in best restaurant in Seattle t- up until ten years ago. Okay, the, but but I'm saying that in 2004, all the restaurants in Seattle fell into that into one of those four categories. What there were not were any restaurants in Seattle I had never heard of. I get it. I there get were, it. There were ones I had been to many times. There were ones I'd been to a few times. Ones I'd been to once, and ones I'd never been to. Now. There are more restaurants in Seattle I've never heard of than that I've even heard of, let alone been to. Right. And that, that happens. And one day you know, and then one day you don't know. And suddenly it's a different it just world. Like, 
wait a minute. And you know, and you, and you yeah. walk past the thing, you're like, oh, I'm going to go get my typewriter repaired. And you walk over, you carry your typewriter over to the typewriter repair guy. And it's a restaurant now. Mm, they got, they got called, like a pig on the sign and a fork. Well, and it's called typeface or something. And you're like, oh. ding, ding. And you look at it and you're like, all the, ta- the typewriters are the, they're all here. Wait a it's minute. Just, <laughs> there is a place with typewriters. Isn't it near the video game place? Isn't there a place yes. with typewriters in the window? I feel like I've seen and, that. And it used to be where you got your typewriters repaired. I mean, and now it's just, it's just called typeface. They call it typeface, and now it's a restaurant. And, it's, and, and have and you the, met chef? The menu items are all like forty-five. <laughs> but I had I had this wonderful experience okay. before that. Before that all uh-huh. happened, where Kurt and I sat at the at basically they're chopping vegetables right in front of us. And he and I are chatting, talking about the old days sure. and talking about, oh, what, you know, because he, he had some old Land Rover that was always on fire. And I, this was before I could even afford a truck that caught on fire all the time. And the, and chef is a friend of ours both. And he's, you know, and what am I? I'm 30. He's 30. Kurt's 40. And so, you know, we're in, just in the prime of our lives. And, the and Chef just keeps throwing these little tapas plates at us oh, all man. night long. I'm and we so sat there. It. And in the course of the night, everybody in the restaurant that ordered something, Chef made a made a second helping of it and and gave it to us. Whoa. And we tried every <gasps> That's amazing. And it was and and but it was spaced out over the course of six hours. So that there was you never got you we weren't full. I never did that thing where I was like, get, you know, two hot fudge Sundays for the table or whatever. It was yeah, yeah, just yeah, like paste. And it's I a hangout. You're having no a hangout with really good food. Right. That's so nice. And as the, as they're cooking, cause this kitchen staff was probably four or five people as they're cooking, they're telling us what they're doing and they're telling us because they care about what Kurt thinks. They don't care about what I think, right. but I'm there, you know, like I love that the more than anything, listening in on two experts talking about something. Oh, I know. I know. And they're just like, and Kurt's asking these kind of questions that are like, oh, where did those quail legs come from? It's like, oh, well, would you like to meet the quail? She's right here. <laughs> and, and, you know, I walked out of that uh, experience just feeling like, oh, what I don't know about food would fill a galaxy. Uh-huh. And what I and I knew so much less about food at the beginning of the night than I do now. You weren't proximate and to chef growing up. I would, and that, and there it was. Like, uh-huh. this isn't, this isn't, but... What we're really doing here is cooking, right? This is cooking. We're not chefing. You're not chefing. I know you. Like, you're going to leave this bar, and like most chefs, you're going to go across the street to the other bar and get drunk because there's something very deep, deeply broken about you. Mm. Like, which is true of all. Yeah. Good point. I, although I don't. God, I don't this sounds so fun. And it, was, it wasn't feel like to, to state, call it the obvious. It didn't, they weren't putting on airs. Like, they wanted to, like, talk in the patois with your friend, but it, it wasn't feeling like they were, like, trying to be, like, fancy. Well, because there were no airs you could put on, right? Because mm-hmm. Kurt, Kurt had done that. Kurt, had, Kurt was one of the guys that had done that thing that the English do, which is like you you come into the restaurant in your muddy boots with your with with a a covey of quails draped over your shoulder, mm-hmm. and it's like there's nothing, there is no tuxedo more formal than Kurt Timmermeister's extra tough boots. Okay, because because it's real, no, right? No because airs to put on. I get it. Right, and so they're they're, so not, they're not gonna get, they're not gonna get a pitch past that guy if they wanted to, right? Thank you, right? Yeah, he's not gonna the guy's not gonna shake something full of pink salt and be like, "Look, pink salt." Like, that's not, nobody's gonna. You're a Himalayan uh, asshole. Nobody's gonna honk a horn for that. It's like, <laughs> how scare do you, the quail? Like, 
Oh, the next tail comes out. It's 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 misshapen. Chef is sad. Chef is sad. Quill can't lay. You know, and it falls off the tartar. <laughs> so <laughs> slides down the caper. Sure, <laughs> so for sure, like the like, I get culturally, I get where you where there there are times and places where you want to be like, chef, take me take me away, right? Yeah, take me where I'm going. Put me, uh, put put me on your gossamer wings. Mm-hmm. But there are other times when you're on a date and you and you just want some oysters, and you don't want to pay four four extra dollars for them just because some because some restaurant reviewer said that this that the the way that this person waves their hands over the oysters makes them some kind of other thing. Yeah, it's for snorks, right? Oh, yeah, it's for snorks. I, you're right. It's for rich snorks. It's for rich it? snorks, and it's like it's like and forgive me, people. Wine is fine. You know, whiskey's quicker. quicker. Ah, damn it. I got it wrong and wrong, girl. But, uh, you know, but wine, you know, I don't want to become mm-hmm. a wine guy. Not least because, I like, I, I don't, it's like there's all kinds of things where, like, I just don't want to become a, a guy. But, like, I really don't want to become a wine guy. But you live in Northern California. That's yeah. where the, well, that's where well, that's wine the, people I had are. oysters. We went up to wine country for my uh, my sister-in-law's, you know, birthday. Not that I'm angry. But we uh, we had a great time. We had had oysters and stuff in wine country. And, you know, we had some wine, whatever. I just got the, uh, you know, a bottle. I got a um, glass of, you know, the, the red. <laughs> very, yeah, very classy. Yeah. But no, it's, glass the red. I just don't, you know, I, the idea of like being blindfolded and like looking and feeling a bottle and trying to smell it and stuff so you can show that your fonts here. Then, I don't know. I, I'm glad you enjoy it. But like, it's just there's so many levels of the, It's worse than comic books, John. And like the, just the idea of going into a place still like you you're in the best situation, right? Like you you get to go in and it's nice to not be noticed. It's like hanging out with Ben Gibbard. Like it's very freeing. And MC Hammer wants to talk to him, not so much to me. I'm just having fun. Well, I'm saying hi to Willie Brown. You know what I'm saying? I mean MC Hammer didn't really want to talk to any of us, let's be honest. I like that his family was there. I thought that was really sweet. He seemed like a nice guy. I never understood the boat. How do you have a boat in a restaurant? Uh, like a boat that, that you're a actually famous, can get on. That is a famous bar. Uh, yeah. with very, very overpriced drinks. And yes, there is a boat. There's, first of all, there is a body of water inside of the lounge. And it's very tiki. And yeah. uh, anyhow, the point being, though, you're in a great situation. You're 30 years old. You know, you got your wits about you mostly. I was. Your, op- I your was. heart is open to new experiences. And you, the pressure is off. Like, you don't have to be, you know, it's not like the Chinese family in A Christmas Story, which also makes me think of scarves. I'll come back to that. Uh, you mm. know what I mean? And they sing in that real racist way because they're having the duck with the head on it. You know? Oh, sure. And like, I, I don't like being like, feeling like micro observed, let alone micromanaged. In this case, you could just have a hangout. Yeah, you got small plates. And they never ask you, is this your first time dining with us? No, they don't. They don't. Uh, they don't come back and say, how's everybody doing? How we doing? How we doing over here? Mm-hmm. I, I want to live. I want to live in a world. Hmm. In a world, in a world where everything is good, nothing is garbage. Uh, things are priced accordingly. If you want something that's nice and good, you have to pay more for the thing. But it's not. But you're not paying extra just because somebody waved their hands on it or because somebody because somebody heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to live in a world that's for snorks. No. And I and I but I don't want to live in a I don't want to live in a sequestered world. What I want is the world to not be for snorks. Yeah. I want you know like a lot of us. We I have want, a, lot, a lot of uh, our culture is snorks first culture. 
Snorks first. I was I, I I ordered something on the company that is based here in Seattle that that brings things to you in twenty four hours. Yeah, the Washington Delivery Company. And the thing and the thing is, I order something from them and it costs twenty dollars, and I feel like ah, it's only twenty dollars. And then it gets here and I'm like, oh, I needed the other thing, and I order it and it comes in twenty four hours more, and it was only twenty dollars. And little by little, twenty dollars at a time, this company is sucking the 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 life force out of everybody. Mm-hmm. And and. I that, that's the truth this, I hate to hear, but it's you're right. I ordered a thing last night because I had ordered a thing, mm-hmm. and it came, and it needed another thing, mm-hmm. and I, it was only $20, and so the second one was only $20, and I ordered it, and I just – it was the final thing that made me feel like, oh, something desperate has just happened. Like I have just ordered one $20, $120 thing too many. Huh, um, okay. And you really and, you felt it. I just I felt a disturbance in the force. I felt like 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 uh, millions of people all crying out at once, mm. hmm. because because I personally felt like I had gone too far. And what it was was I ordered some pillow cases for pillows that could be outside in the rain. Oh yeah, like for an outside room. For an outside for an outside. You know what room. they call it? Yeah, an outside room. Yeah. I had some chairs that I that I that I are that I sit on when I'm outside. They needed some cushions, but I knew that I was not going to bring the cushions in yeah. reliably. So they needed to be able to be rained on. And I I ordered these things, and they were advertised on this company's thing as pillows. They got here, and they were just pillow cases. I needed pillows oh, to put really? in the pillow cases. Huh. And so if I had if I had read it carefully. Although I'm pretty sure that it was worded in order to create this confusion. But if I'd read it, I would have said, order these pillowcases and pillows at the same time. But I didn't. So I had to go order the pillows now to have them delivered the following day. And uh, and I just felt like, oh, I've done it. I've gone over. Hmm. I, and, and, I, and I did feel like I had... At the beginning of the year or the beginning of the month, you allot yourself a certain number of like, okay, I can order from this company this many times because they're the only ones that can do this particular thing that they do, which is get me something tomorrow mm-hmm. to 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 plug a hole to, you know, this is something I need desperately and and I can't get it anywhere else. And, and so I, I, I've, I've allotted myself a number of get out of jail free cards, but now I'm in, now I've become... Uh, someone who's just like, oh, we'll just get it from the place, mm-hmm. and it'll be here tomorrow. That's and it's totally me. Well, and and, and I mean, no, and so, I mean, I'm I'm the I'm the biggest snork. Well, but it, but what it I think my fear was that what it does every every dollar of snork money that you put into the snork machine mm-hmm. creates <laughs> more snorks. <laughs> yes, right. It's not just yes. it's not just that it makes these guys rich. It's just that everybody <sighs> like. The, the the girl that I went on the date with that's like oh I, if chef doesn't want me to if chef wants me to eat this oyster with a with a soup spoon then that's what I'm going to do because that's what chef wants. <laughs> Behold my I trolley. Feel, uh, I feel I feel like it's it's on it's on a it's on a spectrum of like the like more and more I am only able to get. What chef wants, right? Because because I'm empowering chef every day by buying little pillowcases from chef because chef's <laughs> the only thing going. Okay, and the and and the more I do it, the more I do that. Then wh- whoever it was, whoever the young woman was that was making pillowcases for outdoor patio furniture in a little 
uh, storefront in a mini mall in North Seattle yeah. who had saved up her money and had bought this place and gotten an industrial And not every machine. scarf maker is Kelly Deal. So Kelly Deal right. sold out because she's kind of a big deal. But somebody else out there, like the lady in that Blockbuster documentary that, that sells scarf and things online, like, you know, that's, that, that's, her, that's now becoming like her primary hustle. And, and the thing is, the snorks are not going to go to her or, let's be honest, Kelly Deal. They're gonna they're gonna go to the Washington Delivery Company, like like well, me. and that it's it's just that I think that the that the gal up here in the mini mall with the with the sewing machine yeah. is gonna have to find a way to get her pillowcases put on yeah. on uh, on Big Snork. Mm-hmm. Ke- Kelly Deal clearly has something else going on because she's not making scarves fast enough that it's a that this is her main source of income and you know from what i know about her which is to say a lot because i read all of the magazines mm-hmm. uh, during during a period of time yeah sure um, i uh i feel like whatever it is that she is doing uh, on a day-to-day basis is even more interesting to me than i mean i would like to do a ride along with kelly deal oh, like, like you would do on a it's on a like chef's a table but like day. in her in her car yeah, just be like, what are we like, doing what are you, today? Like, Kelly, Kelly like, what do you do? She's like, well, I got to take these, you know, I, I'm, I got to take these hats over to the old folks' home, right, and then, right, right, you right. know, and I, I apprentice with a cheesemaker, and huh. then I'm doing some scarf work. Oh, I love this. Ba- oh, that would be so great. You know, if you go to a Thai place record. and you say, make it like you eat it, like, be careful if you do that at a Thai restaurant. In this case, you're saying, let's hop in your pinto, and you, you show me uh, the real deal. Show me the real deal. The real show deal. me the Show me the big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I and so I'm, what did this? What did sh- via waiter? What did Chef say about your your caper question? In in that moment, I looked at my date, who very very definitely was looking down at her menu while saying this. Was not looking at me. Okay. Was just she was still studying her menu because there were some mysteries that Chef had put on it that she hadn't discovered yet. Okay, there were some one-word descriptions that uh, of you know of a of some miracle dish where Chef pulled a creature out of the ocean, threw it in a pot of boiling water, and put it on your plate. That, oh, uh, I see. Some, and and you know, next to the price on it says AQ, right? Yeah, some, some, but no uh, period. Yeah, no period. So and it was in italics. Mm. Um, she uh, she's place. staring at her menu real hard because she's just rebuked me and wants Ew. the world to know. And I looked up at the waiter who's looking at me with a look of a professional waiter who uh, both isn't going to get into it, but also really appreciating that I was uh, that I was served by. Oh, uh, by, as in you by, got by, served. I got served. Mm-hmm. And I said, I will I will pass on the steak tartare. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um. And so everybody wins, right? I don't get steak tartare prepared a way that chef didn't intend. John, that's a Buddhist gift. If I could say, I'm now, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of interpolating here, but I'm guessing that was not a long lived relationship after, after the caper, uh, caper. Uh, well, what's interesting, what's interesting about that particular relationship is it was one that evolved over, over the course of several years. Hmm. It was just that there was never a. Um, you know, there was never a there. There was definitely a beginning. There was never really an end. Mm. It was just a kind of, you know, it's like the wind whistling through the trees. It's kind of, you know, but it's it like could be Spanish a Buddhist moss. gift in a situation like that. And I've heard a lot of people say this. I thought I invented this, but now other people do say this. You can tell a lot about a person by how they treat the waitron. 
And let's be honest, sometimes you can learn a lot about a Waitron by how they treat you. But if somebody tries to boss around somebody who's not in a position of power, that's real good to know. If you, mm. if you get somebody who castigates the barista because their name wasn't spelled right. Actually, it's yeah. Douglas. The H is silent. And you're like, oh, wow, I'm not going to hire you. You're a bad person. And in this but instance, in this if you know there's somebody who's going to privilege the history of Chef above the future of John, that's good to know. That's a Buddhist gift. Except the problem is that in in, by, uh, in your analogy, I may be the the uh, the bad customer. Oh, like, interesting. In her opinion, and perhaps in the waiter's opinion, and perhaps in a great many of our listeners' opinions, my desire to have the steak tartare without uh, capers is in fact the uh, position of like disgusting. I get, it's what it's what uh, Malloy would call gauche. Gaucheness, precisely, mm -hmm. and not only gauche, but that I would that I that I would be that I would take umbrage at it mm -hmm. is a, is is a, is not only further gaucheness, but is this kind of what you're saying the person at the barista who's like, uh, yeah, you know, like like everything I I'm absolutely certain there is someone listening to the show who believes that I was complete. Not only wrong to ask, but wrong to to be offended, and also that's, my, that's my day was a hero. Okay, I'm going to learn from that. That's that's an interesting yeah. POV. And so in that, and and the thing is, like in so many things in life, I cannot say for sure that they are wrong. I know because yeah. because the culture has changed, and I've been here for the whole time. It's like it's like we put a. You put a lobster in a pot of boiling water. You put a frog in a frying pan or yeah. whatever, and the and the heat goes up, and you're like, I don't. That's sure warm in here. Especially if the chef's you, a scorpion. Hmm. It's really something to think about. Um, I so am am I the am I? I don't are know, we the John. You've opened the door, and now I'm thinking about it. I feel like I, I remember hearing. I think I've told you before that as a child, I was very lonely. I was a lonely latchkey child, and I read a lot of books. You know, sometimes books we had around the house, sometimes books at the library. But for some reason, we had a couple books on etiquette, like hardcover books. One of which was illustrated by she a did. young Andy Warhol, as it turns out. Oh, um, but we had M Emily. Uh, was it Amy Van Amy Vanderbilt? Emily Post. Emily Post and, and uh, Marilyn Marilyn Vosavant. No, it wasn't Marilyn Vosavon. It was uh, Miss Manners. Brady's Bits. Miss Manners. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Judith uh, Chotner, I think her name Judith, was. Yeah, Anyhow, I remember reading those, and like I, you know, I'm the opposite of J.D. Vance. Like I'm incredibly curious about what the forks are for, and I want to, like, I want to know, like. But then I remember some years after that, and learning how to, like, you know, that's where I first learned how to stand up uh, when a lady arrives at or leaves the table. I still do that, even though it's probably sexist. I do it for anybody. Really, if anybody comes in the room, any, I always do that. And I, and I, and I, I try not to look askance at the people who don't because maybe they weren't lonely. They were extroverts who didn't need books, you know, illustrated by Andy Warhol. But then I learned one day a truism that I know you know, which is yes. that etiquette is not something that we deploy to make other people feel bad. Etiquette, more if you like manners, in a more, as you say, rustic way, is a way that we put people at ease. Because if everybody uh. knows what fork to use, there's nothing to worry about. But also... In the same way that I think every cook could learn from the phrase, never explain, never worry, I think you could also learn from the phrase, like, uh, uh, just be cool. That's a good phrase. Like, be cool, make people feel welcome. And, like, the worst kind of fancy restaurant is the fancy restaurant that wants you to, that's performing how fancy they are. Now, mm. now I know a lot of people are mad at French Laundry these days because of Gavin Newsom, but the truth is, the time that I went to French Laundry, it began as I've been once, and it began as one of the most fraught experiences you could imagine. I was terrified something would go wrong. I've never been put so at ease by the staff of a restaurant ever. 
Because like a good, quote-unquote, fancy restaurant, like a good restaurant, they'll do everything they can to make you feel good. They'll adjust to you. If they realize that you bristle, you bristle when the waitron says, how we doing, or, 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 or stoops down in a very undignified way, they don't mm. do that. They modulate. I made a joke, John. I made a really bad, like, dad joke about all uh, the salt mentioned on the menu. And as a bit, the waiter happened to go, went to the kitchen, got a book, and brought it back, but not in a throw-it-in-my-face way, but in a funny playing-with-me-in-the-space way. Mm, That's at French Laundry, for many years considered the best restaurant in America. And my God, it's such a difference. But when you go someplace where it is like the David Mitchell, like, fancy waiter thing, it's just... But that's not exactly what you're describing here. You're looking at this as a teachable moment. Is that right? You're still pondering, was I the snork? I'm I'm pondering I'm pondering because this is exactly the question, right? Here I am, I'm in a restaurant. Now, am I paying for there 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 is a calibration. There's there's one of there should be a sign at, at the door of every restaurant that's kind of like fire danger today, right? Fire danger sometimes oh, that's a good all idea. the way over like the red. They post outside sometimes the park. Mm-hmm. But it, but it should be a sign that says am I paying to have what I want? Mm-hmm. Or am I a paying? Am I paying to be guided by the master right. to something I did not know I wanted? Right. And every restaurant and kind of every consumer, not every consumer, but uh, not every consumer experience, but every experience where you are, um, because you said earlier, right? You've had you've had uh, you've had bacon and eggs that belonged in a museum. My Irish so breakfast good. yesterday. I don't know how those people do it. How do you keep the home fries delicious? I yeah. try to make home fries at home, and it's always a disaster because I'm not chef. But what I'm saying right. is how do you keep the home fries or the bacon good And while you're yeah. making poached eggs? Poached eggs for me is like everybody get out of the house. I need to concentrate. Yeah, yeah me too. I'm 100%. If, if, there are, if I'm in a kitchen and I am doing – like if I'm making a white sauce. Mm-hmm, not a problem. <laughs> I want you – and by you, I mean everyone else in the house uh-huh. – to go stand in the front yard. You you, go, you call a bechamel alert. Go stand in the front yard. Don't touch and, my roux. And, and hold your hats in your hands until I am done with this sauce. Because I don't want you walking around. I don't want the refrigerator opening behind me. Like, this takes... No, this John, takes this is where the phrase comes from. It's an active working area. Don't put don't so, put your don't put your empty fresca can where daddy's going to slice the roast. Just because it's setting up doesn't mean that's now become a garbage can. It's an active no, working this is area. An, this is an active working area. It's an active that's working right. area. Don't is, put your wallet there. This is inside the fence, not outside the fence. You stand outside the fence. Yeah, in a prayerful way. Go outside while I bechamel. Chef is all busy. Of us, all of us have eaten three meals a day, presumably, if we're lucky, or in my case, is one meal every day or so. Yeah. Um, for uh, most of our lives, we eat in restaurants. Uh, you know, even, even the ones of us who have eaten, eaten in the few rest, uh, fewest number of restaurants have eaten in restaurants. And all of these meals, all of these preparations, all of these times, day in and day out, I understand that there is a, a religiosity that's uh, that's kind of been reverse engineered into into eating by contemporary culture that's looking for meeting. Like we've 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 turned back toward eating and toward these basic things and 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 imbued them with tremendous significance. Where probably for twenty five thousand years the only significance was that some food made it to you. Yeah, I found something that didn't and- make me sick or kill me. And now it's all back to you know now we're now we're we're all on bended knee yeah about it because the because food or whatever is the latest thing but but somewhere in this you know there 
there are there multiple axes, right? Like, mm-hmm. is this, am I paying extra money for this to be incredible? And so therefore in paying extra money, I also has, have less say in it. Like, yes, right, at a certain yeah. point, you don't go into French laundry and say, can you put cheese on it? <laughs> but, you or know, as you like, say, fromage. <laughs> or fromage. But at the same time, are you going into a situation like I've done in a lot of Seattle restaurants where you end up getting food that you don't want? Because, right. and, 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 and I think that the answer to that from a lot of people would be like, well, it, then don't go to this restaurant or if you you know if you want cheese on it just go to denny's and it's you like, use that phrase the wonderful phrase category error which is, is such a great phrase you taught me but you know one one element of that category error is thinking for example that you could go um you could go to see uh, a broadway show and like jump up on st- on stage and participate in the show or that you could at right. intermission you could ask to speak with the writer because you had some notes like that's right. you're there to appreciate the the performance you don't get to go you don't get to go to MoMA and like doodle on the demoiselles of Avignon, although people in France did. That's a different story. That's why they're demoiselles. But you'll follow, like that's a category error, is misunderstanding what this is. And so like if you go, I mean, let's what's an extreme example. Well, this is how the whole set the place on fire discussion started at the place, by the way, where we got Irish breakfast the other day. When I go in there and mm-hmm. I say I want I want I want a cheeseburger and hold it between your knees and don't put anything on there because it's for a kid. And if they put stuff on the cheeseburger at the diner, you've been there, they put cheese, cheese on the, they put all this crap on the diner, like I'm going to have to deal with that, right? But right. That's, that's much less of an Alexander Hamilton and a lot more of a of kid's burger. That's the category error is like you go in somewhere and, uh, you know, you brought, you brought a knife to a patois fight. And the- – I think food is the what makes it confusing is that like so many things and 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 we've discussed this a lot in terms of my feelings about computer maths for mm-hmm. instance is that there's there's this spectrum of things where a thing that formerly was a trade <laughs> became oh, yes became a profession uh-huh and and what used to be a job has become a career. Right. What used to be a craft has become an art. Oh, boy. Yes. And there are a lot of things, and cooking is like this. It went from a trade to a profession mm-hmm. to an art, and yet all of these things exist simultaneously. And there's a restaurant here where the guy thinks of cooking as a trade, and right across the street in what used to be a typewriter repair place, there's a there's a, a restaurant where the person back in the kitchen is certain that it's an art. Yes. And both places are are serving poached eggs. Uh-huh. And as a Damn. consumer or as a person in the world who's trying to navigate these things, you know, like I know that when someone's doing graphic art for me commercially, like I'm do, I'm working on an album cover with them. There are some people that when you hire them, they like I was thinking about the the Long Winter's music video for um, Fire Island, which is a music video that that breaks my heart because we spent a lot of money on it. It was an opportunity to make a music video that that would be on YouTube for the rest of my life that I would look at and go, "Wow, you should see my video." Mm-hmm. And instead, it turned into a video that I that I that I don't I don't like to watch, and I and I hope no one ever watches, just because it's not very becoming. It's not very flattering. That's that's such a bummer to feel that way. When we when people were pitching videos to us in that moment, there was a guy somewhere who pitched me this music video 
for Fire Island. That was his. He was. It was going to be a stop motion thing where somebody, you know, some crazy guy in a room was building a house of tissue paper, and the house got. And he had this whole vision for the thing. And the vision was of a. He was going to tell a story in a music video that had zero, zero, zero relationship to the song. Right. Um, and my feeling in reading his treatment, which was which was cool and fascinating was that he had just come up with this treatment and was pitching it to everybody that had a music video budget. Oh, right. Okay. Because what, what this song couldn't have inspired this treatment. The treatment has nothing to do with the song. But what was crazy was that if you had added one little thing to his video treatment, it would have the, the big house of tissue paper built inside a warehouse by a stop-motion crazy person would have told the story of the song Fire Island, Alaska. And I wrote him back very excited and was like, hey, this is fantastic. If you just had the final card say, you know, uh, or whatever, if you just had, if you, if you change the color of the thing from green to blue, um, then this whole thing would just be like, Incredibly so to symbolic. you felt like a relatively minor mo- note that takes it from, if I'm understanding, take a relatively minor note or a request that takes it from something that you really, you couldn't do anything with to, this is like weirdly perfect if we just do this one thing. Weirdly perfect. Mm-hmm. And he wrote back and he was like, this is my vision. And, you know, it's like an all or nothing hmm. situation. Like the, the art, no, no input yeah. from the art. He, he loves putting and those capers know, on. And this wasn't, you know, I was this. It it wasn't Jim Jarmusch. It was some, you know, it was some guy that was making music videos for indie rock bands, you know. Yeah. But this was his idea of himself, and uh, and of the purity of his vision. And I was like, well, I'm going to go with my friend Bex then, who's going to make a music video. Bex Schwartz. That's Bex Schwartz. Bex Schwartz is the direct is the director of of Fire Island Alaska. I see Bex and the on thing the about it is sometimes. Yeah, Beck, and Bex is wonderful and a, and and a wonderful friend. And it was just it was just the way that everything panned out in the making of that video that and and a lot and I attribute a lot of its failure to me personally as a performer hmm. um, because I just didn't I don't know what to do when there's a camera on me. <laughs> but you know, like that that was that was a, an event in my life where it felt like if I could go back and hand the video off to that kid and let him do whatever the hell he wanted with no input from me, I still was so, I just objected fundamentally to his like no input. His very kind of curt email in reply. This, it's not John does a completely different scale, but it's not really so different from my experience with the, the man in the van, what sharpens knives where I was like, well, mm-hmm. just based on this, I, I bent over backwards to be like an easy to deal with guy and you came back at me with this weird thing, and it's like, that's not a good sign. So, like, right. I totally understand, because if you feel like, like, you don't want to get worked by somebody, but it's nice if they could collaborate with you a little bit, take some notes, and like you say, it's not, I mean, you know, what, what did you, you go to NYU, you're out there, you're like a regular Scorsese, like, it's a music video, relax. Somewhere on the, you know, like, 
as a trade goes to a profession, like right on, you're no longer a drafts person. You're now an architect, right? As a, as a craft goes from, from a craft to an art, like right on you used to make scarves and now your scarves are hanging in MoMA and like, yeah, like, Oh, now, I now you're a textile you. artist. Now you're a textile artist. Mm-hmm. But, but in this somewhere from the, from the trade all the way through to the art and and this is you know this is like video game designers right like i would have always considered video game designers as something that you did that you learned to do at the career center because you weren't going to graduate <laughs> and so you went over to the career center <laughs> as you your got fall in, back you got into video game designing right. if, and, if you, you know, couldn't and, become and, a chiropodist you know you could always yeah. you could always make ps2 games right it was like you, you you're going to be a landscaper or you could take this class over the oh, career I see. center you're not a lawnmower man you're a landscape yay yeah, landscape. Yeah, but but uh, but somehow now you know, uh, being a video game designer is uh, like the they're the new Da Vinci's, and they and we you know and we sh- we sh- we clothe them in ermine, um, <laughs> and and it's like, I, and I, the thing is, I've been standing here in the world the whole time. The world has gone past, and I've and I'm just I'm uh, my shoes have been size twelve since 1986. Yep. So I'm wearing the same boots. But the but hmm. the 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 world shifts around here, yeah. and and I still sometimes walk into a restaurant and go, "Can you put cheese on it?" <laughs> when it's clear that chef is taking me on a journey, because it's not on the sign out front, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, it's yeah, not on the sign. And out then front you just hold both, it between your knees because they're both on a mini mall. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, no, I, 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 wish, I wish I didn't know what you're talking about, but I do. And on yeah. top of it all, I've got my thoughts, just like you have your thoughts, but you're absolutely right. Like, did I, what, what, what did I miss? Yeah. And is it anything that I need to, to stop missing? Right. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a snork on either end of it. No. Right? Canless, the thing about Canless is it is, it's the nicest restaurant in Seattle and it was in 1959 because it is cantilevered mid-century modern architecture perched on a cliff overlooking the bay with the, you know, with, uh, light fixtures hand hammered out of, you know, the, the, uh, John Wayne's yacht. Yeah. I Vir- mean, Virgin Sink and stuff probably like you, you, when you pull into the parking lot, you know, you're in the nicest restaurant in yes. Seattle. That's not, that now, can be you, an exciting feeling. When I pull into a, a mini mall, that's got, uh, you know, like a pizza delivery spot, a nail salon, a restaurant that's called the Beaver, the Badger, and the and the Buckwheat, and and then you know, the and Beaver, then the Badger, and what? And the Buckwheat, the Beaver, the Badger, and, the, and they got that X on there with the forks. Yeah, there's an X, and all the and and there are no prices on the menu. Oh and then, my god! And then there's a there's then there's a there's like a like a like a blown out former nail salon that now has four Aeron chairs in it mm-hmm. and a bunch of people with headsets on <laughs> and they're either they're either doing like they're either doing sex <laughs> sex talk oh, or or they might or be talking ga- to video game developers what one of them's a CEO and the other's a CFO Jesus and the Christ a the mall has changed a, I can't believe how this mall has changed company. well and that's the thing how which one of these do I go into I want something well obviously you're the idiot John figure it out I'm the dum dum. You're the you're I've, the dum dum. You're the perma snork wearing those old boots. And you come in here, you come in you come into my restaurant experience, you come into my typewriter cafe and you don't want capers? Yeah. I well so I reach into my pocket, I pull out my paper crown, I walk into the place, <laughs> I sit down and say, you know, I'm here at table. What does chef want? <laughs>
Thank you, Chef. Uh, the name of the restaurant <laughs> is House of Nanking. Oh, House of Nanking. 